Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York Hello and welcome to episode 276 of section 138 A sweep of the New York Mets The first sweep of the Mets in franchise history Bryson, how are you? I didn't know that. I mean, I'm yeah. doing good, but that was that's a pretty cool set. The first time they've ever done that. I mean, this team needed something like that. I think we we were all, or you and I, predicted two out of three this weekend, which would have been great. But, I mean, coming home from this short road trip, sweeping the Mets, and I guess a team that's in a kind of a similar situation, but now probably a little bit worse, that is really good to come home from that. And, of course, the team continues to inch closer to what we saw back in April. Vladdy starting to break out and showing more signs of it. The starting pitching was great all weekend. Um, lots to talk about today and a lot of positives, which is good coming off this weekend. Yeah, I think the most encouraging part of this entire stretch for me is the fact that it is coming against like teams that are competent. They're good teams. Like Obviously, they're none of them are playing particularly well right now, but you go back to Minnesota, like top of the AL Central. They're a good team, a competent team. They know how to play baseball. They have the guys who can beat you on any given day. Milwaukee, same thing. Like They're in a little bit of slump right now, but they're kind of in the same boat where they're competent. They know how to beat you. They have those guys. If they get hot at the right time and put a game together, they're going to beat you. And then with New York, same thing. Like This was a team that right now is massively underperforming their expectations, which seems to be a trend with the New York Mets. But Still, it's a good team, good players, and the Blue Jays managed to beat them, especially you know with a good rotation on the mound, especially in the series finale. So it's a sweep for the Blue Jays, and I mean, listen, go back a week, and we were telling you, you're overreacting for panicking. People are telling you the wrong thing that the Blue Jays are dead this season, and it's because of stretches like this where you win four games in a row, you win three series in a row, you win whatever it is now, nine Seven of the last nine games, I think, is a stretch that the Blue Jays are on since they kind of ended that slump. So it stretches like these that turn a team around, and that's exactly what the Blue Jays have done. 100%. I mean, as well, 7-3 and three over the last uh, their 10 as well. So they, pretty much since that whole debacle uh, near the end of May, they've turned things around in June, and I'm glad that they were able to carry it over with them as well in this short three-game road trip, uh, which was just bizarre over the last couple of days uh, with how the schedule has worked. But, I mean, yeah, I mean... I just I go back to Friday night with Chris Bassett, just the circumstances, knowing what was going on in his life with his wife and labor, and the fact that he was still planning to pitch, and of course, right after that, he got back with plenty of time on a private jet home. Just knowing all that in your head, though, you got to be you got to be really strong mentally to be able to pitch the way he did. I mean, he pitched so good in seven and two thirds, eight strikeouts, and uh, again, the biggest part about that, the most important part about that. Of course, along with the fact that he had a good start, was that he was able to get back in time to for the birth of his child. So that's also really good news on that one. So there was some insurance runs in the ninth as well uh, in that game. You know, I think the one maybe not a nitpick, but the one thing I still notice is that this team is still playing better, but it just feels like they need they need more big hits, they need more big moments, and maybe on today in Game Three on Sunday. 
that kind of was the start of something, of course, with Brandon Belt being clutch late in the games. But other than that, I mean, game one and two were very, very short or very low scoring for this team. So it was uh, the two insurance runs in the ninth when Varsho homered and then, of course, Springer had the leadoff homer in the first. So that those were the only runs in game one. And then in game two, um, with Jose Barrios pitching, continuing to pitch really good, uh, six great innings allows one run, strikes out six, and he's been on a roll too. His ERA is now down to six or three sixty six, uh, which is really good. And of course, continues the momentum of a Jose Barrios bounce back season, and he just looks more comfortable and comfortable. I think as each start goes on, and the fact that he's been able to just you know get out of trouble when he's been pitching in trouble, something that we didn't see last year, where it just felt like if he had sort some sort of trouble on the bases all those runs are going to come in a score and his entire outing was going to be ruined. I mean, that was just the fact of last year. And then this year, of course, he continues to show that he's been able to get out of situations. He's been able to pitch way better location. I think there was a big conversation with the slurve of how he actually dropped a couple miles per hour in velocity on purpose to get more of a break on the pitch. And the pitch has also been really good in terms of not being able to be hit that well from hitters. So I think that's also a really good part on that one. So, you know, in that game as well, low scoring, Alejandro Kirk ties the game. And of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a clutch double in the ninth inning, which was enough for the uh, the Blue Jays to clinch the win on that one. That was another frustrating day I felt offensively, probably the most on Saturday because it felt like there was just tons of opportunities for them to score and score and score, and they didn't really break through with one. Of course, the Kirk single kind of went off Francisco Lindor. It was kind of an awkward single um, that scored the or pretty much tied the game in the middle innings, and then Vladdy had the big hit in the ninth inning, which was crucial. And then, of course, stay on the Sunday game was the most offense behind Yusei Kikuchi, who also pitched really good and also optimistic because of how he finished May. And it looks like he was kind of pitching what we saw in April today in his first start in June, which is also really good for a fifth starter. And of course, he goes five innings, uh, strikes out eight. So the starting pitching for me, um, and I think for everybody, it just it continues to be on a roll. And today is where the offense came. Of course, Whit Merrifield doubles, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., power. He hit a home run. Power, Vladdy. I mean, we still need to see him hit a home run at home, but he's on the cusp of a breakout. We've been talking about that since the last episode. He continues to show good or good at-bats throughout this weekend. And, of course, uh, one of the highlights from today, I don't know about you, Mark, but I just I was not expecting with what happened with Matt Chapman at second base. Attempted pickoff at second base, and then Louis Rivera waves him home after the ball was kind of in shallow center field. That was an aggressive send. It paid off. Of course, Matt Chapman being one of the fastest guys in the team had an impact on that, but just I really loved how it was an aggressive decision. Of course, of course, we like it also because he scored, but it just caught me off guard that he was actually sent home on that, and I think that was also really crucial, and it turned out to be crucial based off the final score, and then, of course, uh, the Mets tied the game late, and then Brandon Belt, who also had a really good May, He's starting off June on a really good note. Has the clutch two-run home run late in the or late in the game in the seventh inning, and that was enough. After the Blue Jays had a four-nothing lead and lost it, that would have been frustrating um, if they weren't able to win that game today on the Sunday because of the fact they were up four nothing. It was a game that they should have had and they did have. And of course, Brandon Belt, the captain, the MVP chancer in the dugout with them now, he had a really clutch moment for this team late in the games. And I just that's what we need to see more of from the offense. We haven't seen it consistently, so that's the one whole, I guess, nitpick I have from the weekend that we need to see more of the big runs, the big moments, and of course, we're starting to see it a little bit more. They just need to be consistent with that because, of course, once they figure that out and how the starting pitching has been going pretty much for majority of the season, uh, despite a couple of people, 
that's a really good baseball team, and that's really a very big difference as we see what this team's doing now, 7-3 and three over the last 10. They're starting to make ground in the standings again, which is really good news. So everything right now, starting the month of June off on a really good note, and now they come back to a, a tough homestand against the Astros and Twins, but, I mean, they had to start somewhere, and I'm feeling a lot more confident against these these teams coming up this week than I did a week ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to put Brandon Belt's recent success in context, these numbers don't include his game today in which he hit that kind of game-winning home run for the Blue Jays and brought it home uh, and made sure that they could indeed sweep the game. But excluding today's game, first 18 games of the season, he was hitting 161. The next 24 games, he's hitting 353, a slash line of 353, 500, 515. And his OPS, why, I, I mean, you could do it by math right there, but what do you think yeah. his OPS is right now? Right now? Or uh, in his last 24 games. Oh, it's over like 900, isn't it? Yeah, it's a one dot. Yeah. It's a one oh dot. Okay. Zero fifteen. It's. I mean, it's insane. Like it, all the this jokes is a, in April. I told you, give yeah. the guy time. Look at that. Look what happened. Like the month of April was, I don't know, like one of the worst offensive months we've seen from <laughs> it anyone. Was, it was like, bad. It was bad. It was brutal. Uh, and, and we were here ragging on him. Like, for, like we were saying, take him out of the lineup, bench him. Like, why is? Anyways, he like he came around. Um, and he's making us all look stupid and making us all very grateful that he's on this team. And yeah, the chance of MVP from the dugout, uh, I've heard people calling it MVB, most valuable Brandon, uh, which of course <laughs> is very true for the Blue Jays right now. He's turning into kind of a secret tool for them. And when you're factoring the fact that he's a lefty, when you factor in the experience he has and what he does for the team behind the scenes in terms of clubhouse culture, in terms of kind of steadying the ship and being that veteran influence, like you can't speak his praises enough for what he's done with this team. And honestly, like I know this type of trend is not going to continue over the course of a full season. Like he's going to get cold eventually. We're going to see him kind of bottom out and hopefully not get down to the same sort of low he was in in April. But I think like like, this is what the Blue Jays needed. Like, he's going to go through cold spells, but you just need these hot spells to kind of outweigh it and make sure at the end of the day you're average. And I think with Brandon Belt, we're getting much more than that, much more than the Blue Jays bargained for right now. And hopefully he can continue and prove us wrong again that he's not going to regress and he's going to keep up this hot streak. Um, another guy, you mentioned him, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., finally getting some power in the series finale, hitting that long, elusive home run. He's still searching for his first home home run and we'll see if we get that against the Astros this week he's got four games to do it and then another three game set over the weekend that the Blue Jays are home for so we'll see if he can pull it out then um but I I guess my question to you do you think he's turning around like do you think he's figured something out this season like just to give you his splits last seven games he's hitting 286 on base percentage 355 as compared to uh splits of 234 and 290 OBP over his last 15 games. So he's improved uh, just over his last seven games. Do you think this is finally the turnaround we've been waiting for? I mean, it feels like it. Like it's coming at a really good time to say that. I mean, it's. I talked about with you the last episode um, from the last short three-game homestand that they had. There was just there was lots of times near the end of the series where he was hitting fly balls, but they were really deep and he was just missing out of home runs barely. I, I mean, it felt like that was close ever since his uncle came in and was working on a swing like that. So there was some, you know, moment of optimism, I think against in that Brewer series. 
And the fact that he was able to carry it over, it's just, for me, it's insane, though, still, how he hasn't hit a home run at home. And for me, it feels like it's it has to happen at some point, this homestand. I just, the, the way he's starting to play, I mean, and I think at first, too, it was starting to just make sure he was getting some solid contact and getting on the bases. Because, I mean, you talk about what happened over those, lows, or those last couple of weeks. He was lost. Like, he was swinging at everything. And that went against what we, and this is what we talked about. It went against of April where he felt like he wasn't chasing. He was getting on base and everything. He just was lacking power in April. And then May, it just, it, it fell apart from it, you know, mentally, mechanically. He was rushing a swing and everything like that. Mentally, it was just a disaster. And, you know, ever since his uncle came in, it feels like he's he slowed his swing down, which is really good. And now we're starting to see, of course, the contact, the good contact. And then now what's coming out with it is that, there's some power with that. So we're, we've been seeing it throughout the series as well. He's had a lot of flyouts too. And we know that usually when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is slumping, there's a lot of ground balls that come with it. I mean, and the fact that he's adding some flyouts to it, I think the power's coming. I think he's trying to get it as well to just be consistent with it. And of course, I mean, the home run that he hit this weekend, I mean, it, he crushed it. So that's reason for optimism. You've got to think so. For me, again, crazy that there still hasn't been a home run at home, but now you're going through a seven-game homestand coming up. He feels like he's comfortable at the plate again. You talked about his splits over his last seven. So he's turning things around, and even if he's not going to hit a home run, there's going to be really good hits and really clutch moments. So I'm confident that he has turned it around. Of course, for me, I wanted to see it continue throughout the weekend. We did for the most part, so I'm optimistic about that, but... He definitely has to get that home run out of the way at some point, this homestand. Like, it is crazy. We're in the month of June now, and he still hasn't had that. So I think that's something that's on his mind, and it's something that I'm sure he wants to get it over with as well, just get a home run at home. And it just – the, the at-bats I like this weekend really liked it. I think they were highlighting it a lot on the telecast today too, even on pitches that he was fouling off. It felt like his timing was there, and just everything about it was not rushed in terms of his swing. And the power is going to come, hopefully, if he continues to play like this. And I think that's just the main goal for that. If he continues to play like that, it's going to come, and then he's going to go on some sort of roll. And he's on the cusp of it right now. And it's crucial that he does that because, of course, what happened in May, he, it's not like he wants to completely turn the season around because he had a good April, but he needs to get back to that, and he needs to be, you know, this team needs more power from him, of course. And, I mean, that just makes the lineup way more dangerous. And we were talking about the other guys that have started to heat up and have been pretty much the hottest hitters on this team throughout the entire year. If Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can be consistent with this power, this lineup is going to take that next step, and I think that's very important on that. And it just feels like you can be confident at this moment in time that he is on the cusp of a breakout, and we've already seen the beginning of it. Yeah, like Bo's in a good spot. George seems to have found himself and found his sweet spot in terms of performance. If Vladdy, if what we're seeing from Vladdy is real, if it's sustained, if he can find that power, if he can find some level of consistency, which hasn't really been there this season outside of, I guess, the first couple weeks of the year, like... As soon as you get those four guys clicking, including Brandon Belt in that conversation, because right now Brandon Belt is in that conversation, look out. And that's what we're kind of gearing up for. The Blue Jays have been picking up momentum, and it seems like slowly and slowly, series by series, we're getting closer to that golden vision of a top four in the lineup that is just going insane all at once. And it seems like we are so close to that. Like the one piece that's off seems to be like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and hopefully this series was getting a little bit towards that. Um, okay, before we move on, I do want to tell everyone a little bit about Jay Birdie Baseball Co. You're wearing the shirt, Bryson. I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, their gear is awesome. 
you know, I've said it for a couple of weeks now. I love it. I love it. I love it. They're coming out with some new gear this week. So be on the lookout for that. It's very exciting. But already they got some awesome stuff in their catalog. They've got shirts, including the 1977 hat, which to me is my favorite out of their catalog. It's this white panel hat with this awesome kind of light blue logo on it. It's incredible. Uh, they've got shirts like Bryson and I are wearing. They've got uh, hoodies. They've got everything you could want and more stuff coming soon. And what I love is that every piece of clothing they have has a story behind it, and it's rooted in Canadian baseball history. So I encourage everyone to check it out. It's jbirdie.ca. The link is also below this episode. All right, so as we talk about some of the guys who are heating up in this lineup, let's talk about what's coming down the pipe, and that's the All-Star game. It feels like the season just started, but now we are, I mean, we're closer to the All-Star game than we are to the start of the season. We're past the one-third mark of the year, and we're, what, uh, you know, a month and a week away from the Midsummer Classic, which will be very exciting, of course. Um, voting is open. It opened a couple days ago. So I guess what I want to ask you is, who do you think deserves to go to the All-Star Game from the Blue Jays? Like, who should represent this team? I think I've got a list in mind. I think, I don't know. I'll, I'll open it to you first. Let's go name by name. Like, give me a name, and we can debate that are we talking who like i think deserves to go or like or who, who will will go because of its voting right yeah i mean i guess we can talk <laughs> both like we can okay we can say whether someone is like checks both boxes or only checks one yeah I guess. well i mean i think first of all a lock for me uh i guess first of all bobachette bobachette yeah yeah <laughs> you had that too yeah of course right. um after that, that, like he leads yeah. Well, let's talk about him. He yeah, preys on him because he deserves it. Like he leads. Okay, I don't have the active stats ahead of me. This was a couple of days ago, but he led the American League in hits again. He here, you talk about him for a second. I'm going to find the stats because it's ridiculous how many categories he leads right now offensively. But yeah, you're right. He does lead lead in hits as I'm looking, and of course, I'm sure he's up there in average and everything like that. It's just. Because of what happened, I mean, we saw this breakout in September uh, in terms of the right, tear he went on. If, if we're so he, this yep. was June 3rd, so yesterday, but he led the majors in hits. He led the American League in total bases, led the American League in multi-hit games, in batting average, and was named to MLB's team of the month. So that's hits, total bases, multi-hit games, and batting average. Ridiculous. And that's like among all of shortstops, and he also leads in OPS. He leads in that's every uh, the yeah ex- everyone. He exactly. leads all of baseball and hits. Yeah, and even home runs too among shortstops. Stuff like that. Like it's got to be a lock that he's starting for the American yeah. League on shortstops. If you just look at the the rest of the American League East, I mean, there's lots of good shortstops out there. I think Wander Franco is another uh, guy that's a runner up. I mean, Jeremy Pena's had a slow start to the season, but he's playing a little bit better over the last couple of weeks. And Bo Bichette's been pretty much playing good from the start. So for me, it's a runaway that he's starting at shortstop. Yeah, hands down. If he isn't, then we riot and we burn MLB headquarters to the ground. Like that's, <laughs> There's no way that he is not the guy who is starting shortstop in the... Like, there's, there's no world in which that doesn't happen. It'd be ridiculous. Like, except for injury... There's no world performance-wise, performance-wise, that he is not starting at shortstop in the All-Star game. Okay, and just to add kind of one cherry on the top, he he leads the Blue Jays with 3.3 war, according to baseball reference, which we are, again, at like the one-third mark of the season. 
multiply that by three. <laughs> it's pretty damn ridiculous. Uh, obviously, again, hot and cold. He's going to find a cold spell at some point this season. But so far, I mean, there's nothing stopping him. No one's been able to shut him down. Um, okay, who else deserves to be? I guess I can give one. I'm going to say Kevin Gosman. Yes. Um, yes. I think... Okay, we'll get into the little bit of the split between deserves to go and will go. I think right now, Chris Bassett deserves to go. I don't know if he will go. I don't think he will go, but I think name recognition alone, and of course the way he's been pitching, I think Kevin Gosman is going to go to the All-Star game, and of course he deserves to go to the All-Star game as well. 100%. This was our Cy Young pick going all the way back to uh, the series predictions and even in the American League tons of people were talking about this at the start he's at the you know he's among uh, all American League pitchers of course in ERA and everything like that so that's the good part and you know you just talk about how dominant that he's been like he has really been dominant I mean he's up there uh, for all the pretty much the categories if you really look at it so that's also really good on that one I mean even just the splitter and everything like that. He he's one he's among the to- top of the American League for pitchers, and there's no question in my mind that he does not go. I mean, I think it's eighth right now in the American League in ERA, or it's yeah eighth in the eighth in the American League, and that's only going to go down because of course he's so tied, or he's pretty much in a cluster with a lot of guys. Uh, so that's going to go up and down, and I think he's going to continue to go up because remember. It was a couple starts where there were blow-up starts, and that's why his ERA is like that, because if he never did that, his ERA would be even lower. So that's the crazy part when you think about it and how good he's been, the fact that his ERA is there after a couple blow-up starts. But for me, yeah, he's a lock in terms of that. I think Chris Bassett's trending towards that direction too, which is really good. I mean, I'd love to see if he can – or I'd, I think we'd all love for him to go. Um, I you know, I think we're kind of on the borderline on that if we – if we, you know, if he continues to pitch well, though, of course, throughout the month of June and into July, the 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 odds are only going to increase. But I mean, the pitcher that he's been as well, especially the start of May when he's really turned it up. I know he had the blow up start his last time out, uh, or not his last time out, the start before this, uh, the start against the Mets. So if he continues to do that, he's going to be in there too. I think he's going to have a real shot to get voted in uh, among, I guess, Blue Jays starting rotation. Uh, and I think for those, I think that those are my only two right now that I see going out of the rotation if you were to pick right now yeah definitely um give me someone out of the bullpen do you think anyone out of the bullpen's making it i'll say tim Meza. really he deserves to go yeah i mean wow not That's a name, not the that name we, i expected yeah not i mean i think like eric swanson deserves to go too yes. i don't you know jordan romano i think i don't know but i think he'll be among names but for me like you look at tim Meza, not a lot of people know about him of course not a lot of people talk about him but you look at his numbers, he's got to be among the American League, of course, uh, for relievers on that. So I think there's yeah. a legitimate chance with all those three. I don't think all three go just the way it is, but I do think, of course, one of those three are going to go. I think, like, I mean, a lot of the All-Star game voting is name recognition. And so I think of Jordan course, Romano yeah. might be the guy who goes out of Canadian, that trio. Yeah, 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 like, it's a lot of it is marketing. Like, he's a Canadian kid. Everyone knows his name already. Like... If you walk down the street and grab someone in Toronto and ask him who Eric Swanson is or who Tim Meza is, like the odds that they know that name are probably slim to none. The odds that they know the name Jordan Romano are probably a lot higher. And so I think for that reason alone, like this is, again, the split between deserves to go and will go. I think Romano deserves to go, and I think he will go. I think Swanson and Meza maybe deserve to go, but probably won't just because of the name recognition side of things. Uh, I think that's... I mean... I don't know. Maybe Where do you stand on Vladdy? Oh, no. I don't think Vladdy's going. Yeah. Unless, I mean, I'm looking. Well, 
I, I mean, name recognition. Like a month, name recognition, yes. And we do have a month <laughs> left. So I think, like, yeah, he might, if he heats up the deserve thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he deserves to go <laughs> now tough one. at all. He doesn't deserve yeah. to go, but maybe he'll make it just because, yeah, everyone knows who Vladdy is. So, and what I you talked know. about too, I think, like, Chapman's also an interesting conversation. That's the other April yeah. cooled off in May. If he can heat up back in June and all that, I think he's got a chance to go. I don't know about starting, but at least a reserve or anything like that. So, I mean, he's got to have a good June and July. And that's that same thing goes with Vladdy after what happened in May. So, those are two guys that started really good. Just a mediocre May, and then here we are in June, and they're going to have to try and find their game. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know, Chappie is interesting. Because you look at, like, the tally right now. He's second on the Blue Jays and wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. Second only to Bo Bichette, and he's .8 behind Bo Bichette. So, like, he's been good, and his wild month of April makes up for the play that he's put up in May. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a tough one. I don't think I see him making it, though. Among third basemen in the American League, he's second in OPS. I mean, home runs, I think he's third. So he's still up there with, I guess, other third basemen. He's still trailing a lot of guys. Of course, you have Devers, uh, Alex Bregman's another guy who's starting to heat up. So there's there's a couple names out there that are playing a little bit better than him right now. But, I mean, he's still up there. And that just shows how good of a, of course, month of April that he did have. So And, of course, third in batting average and everything like that. So that'll be interesting, too. Anyone else, or does that kind of wrap it up for you? I think that wraps it up. I mean, of course, Bichette and Gosman, for us, I think that's those are like yeah, the, locks are the locks at this rate. Yeah. yeah, so other guys, I mean, there's lots of time for people to make a push, but yeah, as of now, those are our locks. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do a little sweet relief. Uh, the curse continues. We talked about Nate Pearson, <laughs> Pearson and he had a bad outing. And, uh, well, Jacob's not here, I will begrudgingly mentioned that he is on 14 appearances so one my more. days are numbered it's one all more. it takes is one game it could be tomorrow and my days be cool if numbered. it happened tuesday with all of us there it would be we're all going to be at the game on tuesday <laughs> shout out to jeff for the tickets uh yeah i mean it i don't know i hope it doesn't but anyways um okay the sweet relief for this episode hopefully we do not curse the recipient of today's award. Um, the question I have for you is which Blue Jay reliever has made the most appearances out of the bullpen at 28? Is it Jordan Romano? No. It's Eric Swanson. Yes, it's Eric yeah, Swanson. It's, it, was, it was one of those two. It was one of those <laughs> two this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and he deserves the award for what he did this weekend. He came in in today's game, the series finale, pitched one Perfect inning, struck out one, and then earlier in this series, if we're looking back, he came in on yesterday's game as well. On the Saturday game, he also pitched a scoreless inning. He gave up a hit, but nothing more. He hasn't given up a run in his last one, two, three, four, five appearances dating back to May 20th against Baltimore. That was the last appearance where he gave up runs and I mean he's been phenomenal this season like we said he he's a possible all-star like he's one of those guys who you would want to be in that mix he's getting high leverage situations one of the complaints when we heaped praise on Tim Meza was the fact that Tim Meza doesn't pitch a whole lot like he'll come in and get one out and leave the game he'll get pulled 
That's not the case with Eric Swanson. Like Eric Swanson is getting these super high leverage situations, these super high leverage and important scenarios. Like right now he's the number two guy out of the bullpen after Jordan Romano. He's pitching for a long time. Like he's pitching full innings. He's got 27 innings out of the bullpen. But then also simultaneously, he's phenomenal. Like he has a 2.93 ERA, all the stats I just mentioned, ERA plus of 142, a FIP, Maybe that's a little bit concerning at 412, but a whip of 0.97, which I believe is second best on the team. Yes, to Nate Pearson. And Eric Swanson is also first on the team among starters and relievers in hits per nine. He's given up 4.6 compared to Nate Pearson, who's second in that conversation at 5.8. So yeah, uh, Eric Swanson has been phenomenal this year for the Blue Jays. The high leverage situations that he's pitching in. Um, and of course the length of his outings as well is very encouraging. And just to look at innings by relievers, Trevor Richards is second with 25 innings. So Trevor Richards was another possible award winner this week as he was last episode. He's been great lately, but Eric Swanson leads all relievers on the Blue Jays with 27.2 innings pitched. Uh, he's been nails. He's been great. He has been great. And I mean, I know we did this last time and it was a little bit of a rough patch from after, but that rough patch that, and maybe that also impacted his uh, his FIP. It was just during that. It was like the Baltimore series and everything like that. I think he was also a little bit under the weather um, throughout that part. I don't know if it was the viral infection that's been going around the team, but apparently he wasn't exactly, you know, one hundred percent healthy. I, I mean, I look at other stuff too. I look at if you want to look at high leverage like numbers for him. I mean, batting average with balls and plays at one fifty. That is insane. Um, the fact that he's pitched that good. The other thing too, what you mentioned about Saturday, which is also crucial, is that he came in on he came in to close in the ninth inning because Jordan Romano was unavailable. So I think that was the second game this season that he's come out in the ninth inning because most of his appearances, as you mentioned, as he leads the team in them out of the bullpen, have come in this uh, come in the eighth inning. So. And I guess in an inning where he's not exactly as familiar as others, of course, I'm sure he tries not to think about that stuff. But for some pitchers, I mean, that that's it feels like, you know, pitching in the ninth compared to the eighth could be a massive difference for some people. So the fact that he's able to, you know, continue to pitch good in the ninth inning and, you know, I guess just kind of take it as he's pitching in the eighth inning or whatever it is that's crucial especially on a day where a guy like Jordan Romano was unavailable so it's just kind of those things where it's the next man up and you know you're able to go to Eric Swanson when Romano's unavailable without any, any sort of hesitation because we've talked about how valuable he's been in this bullpen and everything like that so that's the best part for me about it of course it could have been Romano or Swanson this past weekend I mean both of them just pitched really good so I want to I want to end things off with one thing I don't want to be this guy, but I just I saw it. It was a little bit eye opening, and I'm going to read it to you, Mark. I don't know how you're going to react to it. Oh no! Teoscar Hernandez is on pace for 222 strikeouts this season. <laughs> this would put him one behind Mark Reynolds for the MLB single season record. Holy cow! <laughs> That's, That's a lot. Shocking. That's a lot. I, yeah, I knew he. I, I don't knew want to be Mariners. that guy. Yeah. Well. I mean, let's be that guy. Like we're, <laughs> we talked about this trade before and how people are reacting to this. Like this yeah. is part of it. Yeah, like I I knew how much of a problem strikeouts were for the Mariners this year because I had seen a stat earlier today that Teoscar Hernandez led the American League in strikeouts, and I think it's four of the top five hitters in the American League in terms of strikeouts are Seattle Mariners. So it's a huge problem for the Mariners this season. But I didn't know the historical context of all that. And like, yeah, this is what we talk about. Like when you look at the 
on fire offensive numbers and you look at all these things with the Blue Jays trades lately and say, yeah, Teoscar Hernandez has been better or, yeah, in the Dalton Varsho case, like, Lourdes Goriel Jr. and Gavin Marino have been better. Like, there's a bigger picture than it may seem on the face of it and this is part of it. Like, the Blue Jays have someone in Eric Swanson who's become their second best reliever. Maybe, like, I... It's muddled right now because there are so many good relievers for the Blue Jays, but you could argue that he's their best reliever right now. The amount of high leverage situations he's been put in and he's passed with flying colors. Uh, This is why the Blue Jays made that trade and it's working out. Um, And I mean, those numbers speak wonders to that. And just to put in context, like how good the Blue Jays bullpen has been lately over the last two weeks, going back to May 21st, they are third in all of baseball in bullpen wins above replacement. According to Fangraphs, ERA doesn't value them as highly, they're still near the top. Um, just to uh, to to pull up the stat, they are sixth in baseball in bullpen ERA over the last two weeks. So still elite. But um, yeah, it's been a very pleasant surprise the amount of guys who have come out and really dominated. Like I know we were really confident in Eric Swanson. I think I picked him before the season to have the lowest ERA out of the bullpen. But there were a lot of concerns with him as well, like the usage of Eric Swanson in the wildcard game and how Seattle didn't want to use him at all towards the end of the season. Like there were concerns there and it's been really refreshing to have him enter the season and have him be phenomenal. And the same thing goes for guys like Nate Pearson and guy like Trevor Richards who have kind of come out of nowhere and really dominated and impressed and become a huge part of this bullpen almost overnight. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. We I, I, With this sweet relief segment, we're now heaping praise on the bullpen every week, every episode. So maybe it's going a bit towards the other side and seesawing a little bit. But I right now, with the way the bullpen's pitching, like we got to heap praise on them because they have been nothing but phenomenal over the last two-ish weeks. And um, yeah, a lot of guys came out of the blue. Him, so, okay, Eric Swanson, Tim Meza, Jordan Romano, all wars of point six. Those are the most valuable guys in this bullpen right now. You talk about this slump that this team had, including that slump, without Eric Swanson, this team would be in a much worse situation right now. I mean, it just proves how valuable he has been. You know, again, I don't want to completely talk about the trade every single week, but like you talked about, this is why they did it. He is continuing to show this, and as much as, there's been a, I guess, a short history of jinxing pitchers a little bit. At least it hasn't been, you know, consistently. It's kind of like a blip on the radar. And, I mean, you look at this weekend overall. It was only two earned runs from the bullpen anyway. So this bullpen had a really good weekend. Just the pitching overall pretty much since that Brewer series has really turned the corner. And even even throughout their slumps, I mean, starting pitching was good for the most part. It was just, of course, the same situations and the same problems from the hitting. So I'm glad that that stuff's been able to continue to be good. And, of course, throughout this weekend was really good. Eric Swanson stepping up when Romano's down. And those guys feed off of each other like that. They're able to come in in different situations late in games. And, of course, it's just it's really crucial for this bullpen that they're able to do that when because, of course, not every single game every single guy is going to be available at this point in the season. So I'm glad that they're able to kind of, on days where this guy's available, but this guy's not, they're able to kind of swap places and really just be effective no matter if they're pitching at the bottom of the order, the top of the order, the eighth inning, the ninth inning, or the seventh inning. Eric Swanson, having him involved in that cir- or you know that uh, that cycle among these top relievers, it's just it's really, really crucial for this bullpen and this team overall. All right, that segues us nicely into the final topic of the episode, which is what the hell do the Blue Jays do with Zach Pop? Um, he's on his way back. He's had a couple rehab appearances, right, Bryson? 
uh, they got no room for him right now. Like, you look at the bullpen roster, the Blue Jays have Jordan Romano, Anthony Bass, Tim Meza, Jimmy Garcia, Eric Swanson, Trevor Richards, Nate Pearson, and Adam Simber. There are names out of that list that you can pick out and say aren't performing. Those names are Anthony Bass and Jimmy Garcia. Those are the only two guys in the bullpen right now that aren't pulling their weight. When Zach Pop comes back from the injured list, do you designate one of those guys for assignment? What do you do? How do you how do you find space for Zach Pop in this bullpen? Right? Do you find space for Zach Pop in this bullpen right now, or do you just send him down to AAA? Because like Nate Pearson is not going down, Trevor Richards is not going down. Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, where does Zach, Zach Pop go? I guess is my question. It's a a very fun (laughs) conversation. Um, Okay, well, pitching, pitching, just pitching. Based off of pitching, (laughs) Anthony Bass has pitched better. I'm only talking about how he's performed on the field. Compared to Zach Pop. Correct. And, of course, Zach Pop's been injured. Jimmy Garcia, as much as he's been a disappointment, I don't know if I don't think they DFA him this early. I really don't. I think they're going to hold on to the guy, and that's the guy that they signed. I just, I don't see it. I guess it's possible it happens. Um, you know, Adam Simber. I think he came back. I think he's going to stick around. So, honestly, for me, the easy decision is for him to to stay in AAA for now. And of course, he's got the options. You know that. I'm looking at it right now. Can't confirm. He's got options. He can go up and down. It's just for me right now. And it's not really against him. I think it's just a lot of it's a numbers game right now because of the fact that you were talking about. Nate Pearson proved his point when he came up and made his case that I'm staying here, and regardless of when Zach Pop comes back, it's going to be somebody else that goes. And Trevor Richards has done the same thing like you were talking about. Adam Simber just got back. He's a guy that they depend on late. Of course, he pitched late today on the Sunday game. I know not every single guy was available, but of course, they definitely trusted him late in the game today. He got out of it with a double play, a big double play to end the inning today. Um, Jimmy Garcia, not as exactly pitching in high leverage right now. And of course, I mentioned with Bass, who has been pitching better in the month of May. If we're just making a baseball decision... I don't think it's anybody that gets DFA'd right now. And, of course, Zach Pop's currently, I believe, as of a couple days ago, he was in single A, uh, single A Dunedin. So he still has quite a bit to go. Uh, of course, he's got to move up. I mean, of course, he's probably going to go through double A and triple A or maybe just go right to triple A. I don't know. But he had a really good one, two, three, ninth inning uh, when he pitched for uh, Dunedin a couple days ago, too. Maxed out at 97 or 98 miles per hour with his fastball. So the velocity or the velocity is there, sorry, with the sinker and slider, uh, maxing out at 97 the velocity's there, the movement's there. It looks good, but it's just for me, it's a numbers game right now. I just I don't know if there's a clear path for him right now, barring any sort of injury. It's just it's definitely a difficult decision to make. And if they are gonna bring him back in, then yeah, one of those guys is gonna go. And if anyone's gonna go in the event, he's placed right back into the bullpen. Out of those three, the only guys I can see, you know, being considered to lose their job would be Bass, Garcia, or Simber. Not a, not in any particular order, of course. Yeah, I I have a really hard time seeing any of them lose their job right now. Like, performance-wise, yes. Like, if you put Jimmy Garcia's numbers onto, I don't know, who do you want to pick? Like, journeyman, reliever, 
Jay Jackson. Like, if you put those numbers on Jay Jackson, Jay Jackson is going down in a heartbeat. But the problem is it's not just about the numbers. The Blue Jays have a lot of money riding on this guy, and if you send him down, you're putting him through waivers, and you're going to lose him. A team is absolutely going to claim someone like Jimmy Garcia. Um, And, I mean, I think it's less likely a team claims someone like Anthony Bass, but I think a team would probably claim Anthony Bass the way he's pitched in previous seasons. Uh, he's absolutely getting claimed off waivers. Um, so it's really hard to justify sending one of those guys down when you have Zach Pop, who, A, yes, he was injured, but he wasn't phenomenal when he was in the Blue Jays' bullpen. He's got 6.59 ERA in 15 games this year. And B, he's got options. You can send him down without losing him and maybe... Honestly, Triple A is where he deserves he belongs right now with the way he pitched to start this season. So I think that's probably the most likely scenario we're putting ourselves in. Um I mean, there's also the possibility that there's another injury going on that once Zach Pop is back, they send another guy down. That's in the realm of possibilities. Another fun can of worms to open is there is a trade deadline in less than two months. And if the Blue Jays are trying to add in the bullpen, which most teams want to do at the trade deadline. <laughs> like, where do you do it? Who do you get rid of? Like that, it opens up the exact same can of worms. And, and like, do you DFA even when Chad Garcia? Green's like, ready? Yeah. yeah, that too. That's another roster crunch that's going to be <laughs> happening. And who knows when he's back? Like, maybe it's mid July. Maybe there's a setback. Maybe it's like there's a lot of moving parts to this, and a lot of people vying for limited spots in the rotation. And like. I don't know, maybe one out-of-the-box solution is, like, you limit the bench. You cut the bench down by one guy. Right now, who would you take off the bench if you're the Blue Jays? Like, who's even on the bench right now? I always lose track of those guys. As of now, Tyler Heineman, Kevin Biggio, Ernie Clement still here, and Nathan Lucas. Okay, so I guess you have room on the bench. You could get rid of Clement. I mean, what's he doing right now? You could get rid of... Lucas, he's... But then what happens when Espinal's back? That's another issue. <laughs> so maybe you get rid of both those guys. You bring back Espinal, and then you're running with a little bit of a shorter bench, but you got an extra arm out of the bullpen. But then that also creates the issue of, like, the Blue Jays' starting rotation has been good. Where are you pitching all these guys? <laughs> like, you got, like... What about when Hudson Ryu's ready? Oh, jeez. <laughs> My brain's going to explode, Brayson. Oh, I know. I'm just trying to make it worse for you. That's all. (laughs) But I guess the good thing about all of this is that there's no such thing as too much depth. Baseball has a way of evening itself out. And I'm sure when some of these bridges get to the point of needing to be crossed, there will be some miraculous happenstance occurrence where someone gets injured or someone stops performing well or whatever it is like that's always going to happen but right now just looking ahead like the way things are going now it's a bit of an embarrassment of riches for the Blue Jays or I don't know if maybe that's not the right word but like it's a very tough situation to game out like who do you who do you get rid of it's impossible to decide yeah I mean of course performance is going to be a key factor like you're talking about so unless there's some sort of you know, miraculous to turn around for one of these guys. And I guess one of those guys that I named, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's still kind of, if it feels still, 
as much as it's less than two months away, premature about deadline talk. But, I mean, it is going to happen sooner rather than later. Eventually, the Blue Jays' needs are going to start being highlighted. There's going to be lots of talk. You know, Chad Green, as of now, is coming back, which is going to feel like a trade deadline acquisition. He's on target as of May 30th. I think he was throwing live BP in Dunedin. So we're starting to get closer to live BP. And then once that happens, I think the next step, it might be closer to getting into some rehab games at some point. But of course, they don't want to rush him. The same thing goes with Ryu. I mean, both as of now are on schedule. So, I mean, that, that's going to be that's going to be interesting with the bullpen if they're going to go out and get another guy on top of Chad Green coming in, uh, depending on how much they really want to elevate this bullpen. Of course, those guys that I mentioned, if those performances continue to disappoint going into July, then I think any any three of those guys that I mentioned earlier, I mean, it makes it, I think the, the chances of them not lasting in some sort of move increase. Um, but of course, it's still early in June. Give them the benefit of the doubt that they still have a chance to pitch, you know, or turn their seasons around. And I'm referring more to Garcia and Bass if they're still here. So that's what I'm re- referring to more. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, Santiago Espinal, a lot of talk about, should he be moved for some sort of pitcher at some point? I think that was an early season talk or a spring training kind of discussion. I don't know how many people were in favor of that, but there was definitely a certain number of people who brought that, I guess, discussion up. So, I mean, all all stuff like that are going to be interesting. Kevin Biggio, I mean, at first he seemed like the the no-brainer to get rid of. He's starting to play a little bit better over the last seven days. Of course, his overall numbers still don't look good, but I mean got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's been performing over the last seven days. So they are in a crunch right now, and it feels good to see all the depth that they have, I guess, on the IL and just the other options that they are going to have. Of course, starting pitching, a little bit of a different story in terms of what they have, and that has been discussed multiple times when we talk about a guy like Alec Manoa this year and other stuff around him. So it's a fun conversation to have. Still premature in terms of the performances of these guys, and I think we'll have a better idea by the, the end of June. We're going to have a much better idea, and that still might be a little bit early before we have those conversations, but it is fun to talk about now, and if you look at it right now, if it was going to happen tomorrow, tough, tough decisions would have to be made. Very tough, for sure. Um, Okay, that leads us into series predictions for this four-game set against the Houston Astros. Uh, I am going to go first, because going second has not worked out to me these past couple weeks. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the Blue Jays. Split the series, two and two. It's a four-game set. Um, game one is Manoa versus Brandon Belak. Belak? Uh, Astros win that. I'm not betting on Alec Manoa right now. I think the Blue Jays win game two and three. They've got Gosman on the mound, and they've got Chris Bassett on the mound. I think they win those two. I think they lose the final game on Thursday because it is Jose Barrios versus Framber Valdez, and Framber Valdez has been nothing but phenomenal for the Houston Astros this season. So that's my pick, two to four. Bryson, where are you at? Well, <laughs> I am happy to announce that two to four was not, or splitting was not going to be my prediction. Okay. I am saying three out of four they take down wow. the Astros this week. Ambitious. I like the way they played this weekend. And of course, the Astros are a couple games up on the Jays uh, if you want to look at record. But like, I- I'm with you on the Monday game. I can't do it. And, and, you know, until we see it, I can't do it. With all due respect to Alec Manoa, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like you were talking about in terms of the matchups, I mean, Gosman, Bassett, and Barrios. I know Valdez is going to be a tough play, of course, on Thursday, but Jose Barrios continues to pitch well. 
and I'm going to give them the shot that they, they can get that done on uh, on Thursday. I'm Of course, I'm most confident with predicting Tuesday and Wednesday with wins. Of course, we'll be there Tuesday. should be fun. And it's going to be fun watching Kevin Gosman, of course. The last time he pitched against the Astros, it did not go well. And I'm sure he's going to want to, you know, get some revenge and, you know, some unfinished business that he has with the Astros. I'm looking forward to that. Chris Bassett, dad power. He's going to be back in action on Wednesday, too. So it's a little bit of a risk. I'm not going to lie. The safe play is 100% a split. But it's time for me to continue to split or to make ground. So I'm going to try and do that. Or I should say, maint or keep or make the distance bigger. I don't know what Jacob predicted, so I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit of a risk um this week. I've been usually been playing it safe so far. Let's change it up a bit. Okay. I like it. I could see it happening. Uh I don't think it's likely. I'm confident in my pick. Uh the Astros are a good team even though if, even if they haven't been totally playing that way this season. Uh they're 35 and 24, so a little bit hotter than the Jays are right now, but of course, um not totally out of this world. Um Jacob when Two and two. He went with a series split as well, except he's saying they win game one and game two and they lose game three and game four. I'll tell you, I don't really understand this one at all. No, he's (laughs) attached to Manoa still, man. He's still pinning his hat on Manoa and there's no reason to. There's no sign of improvement at all. No. It makes no sense. Um, Which is why he's in last. That's why he trails you by 11 (laughs) points. (laughs) There's yeah, like why would you say Chris Bassett's gonna lose and say Manoa's gonna win, or Brios is gonna lose and say Manoa's gonna win? Um, yeah, I I don't understand that at all. Sorry, Jacob. Um, I hope Disney World is nice, but it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so to update the standings in our series predictions, uh, none of us, nothing changes. Uh, we all went two and one, and because none of us are perfect, we all get an ev- ev- equal score. Uh, so, Bryson, you're in the lead at 34. I'm in second, 31. Jacob is trailing at 23. Nothing changes, and that's only going to increase after he says the Blue Jays. I don't. He really believes in Manoa. It's uh, watch him be right now. Watch yeah, him after be right. after we chirp him, after that. we rag him. Yeah. yeah, and he might miss Thursday's episode as well. So maybe. He's not going to be Why here that? for two weeks. I don't know. He's busy. Um, okay, well, anything else to uh, chirp in on before we wrap this one up? No, I think that's good. I mean, again, really good weekend coming off of a sweep. And um, they got to c- continue to you know, gain that ground back that they lost. And I think they're starting to do that now. Still a lot of work to be done. But, I mean, you got to like where, where they were uh, this weekend for sure. And just... We, like we talked about, I mean, with Vladdy and stuff like that, with Brandon Belt, um, and pretty much, you know, those guys leading the way. And, of course, what we've been already seeing from these guys, the starting rotation has been really good. It's going to be a good test this week with the Astros in town and, of course, with the Twins on the weekend, who they saw just about a week ago. So I'm I'm looking forward to the, the homestand coming up this week. I think it's going to be a really fun week of baseball. Yeah, I um, already saw an Astros jersey in uh, Toronto on Spadina, so... Hopefully that's not an indication of how many Astros fans are going to be here because I don't want to interact with the cheaters themselves. But I got an asterisk shirt that I'm going to be wearing to Tuesday's game, so that'll be fun to watch the chaos unfold. Um, yeah, thanks to everyone who listened to this episode. We're looking for, forward to four games against Houston, and we'll catch you on Thursday night. It's up to you, New York.